Alrighty, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and we are recording episode number 480. Uh, it is uh, September the 1st. Yes, it is now September. Uh, fall is is upon us, and uh, summer is coming to an end. We're like, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the baseball season. That sounds weird. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's a weird year. That's all I got to say. So, Abriana, how are you? I'm good. I had a, it was my birthday weekend and I was very spoiled by my family and just felt very celebrated. So um, th thank you for the birthday wishes of Seif and many of you who reached out and told me happy birthday. Thank you. Um, yeah. So like now I feel sort of recharged and just trying to transition back into whatever day-to-day -day life we have going on this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is nice to uh, to take a little break and feel celebrated, so that's good. Um, glad you could do that. Um, all right, well, we have a fairly simple show for you this week. Four industry news stories, a bunch of uh, brand brands doing interesting things. Um, and uh, as we're in September now, October's not that far away. Um, so Ariana can tell us about what to expect. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe that fall festivities or whatever should be festivities are right around the corner. It's hard to believe that we're already there um, and like holiday stuff is starting to roll out. That's insane. But, you know, Halloween is right around the corner. And I think that Halloween will probably be the spookiest it's ever been this year, you know, because there's just not really going to be a whole lot going on, I imagine, unfortunately. And that's crazy. But Mars Wrigley Candy Company, Halloween is obviously a big time for them. Um, and they are trying to get creative with how consumers can have some festivities and remain safe and socially distanced. They have um, created an app town. And so they're giving this digital experience where uh, families can kind of trick or treat in a new way and actually get real candy. And so um, I, I was like, well, I'm assuming we're gonna get virtual Santa visits this year as well. It sounds like that's where we're heading. But for this, um, they are doing like, you can create your own avatar, customize Halloween decorations for your virtual door for people to knock on. You can play with family and friends. Um, and then you can actually earn candy credits that can be redeemed um, online or you know at national retailers in person as well. Um, and so you can look it up if you want more information. It's treat-town.com. And um, I think you can go ahead and sign up for it, but they'll actually start the whole trick-or-treating thing on October 1st. So you can take your time and trick-or-treat with your friends and family. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I appreciate that people are being as creative as they possibly can in these times and, and trying to make the shift. It makes me a little depressed for the kids and, you know, all the fun things that Halloween usually does and brings communities together and gets, you know, families out walking around and, um, you know, enjoying apple cider or whatever your drink of choice is at Halloween. Um, so, you know, I was thinking maybe we should just all put on like bubbles and have real trick or treats like, Bubble Boy or whatever that was, Bubble Girl. I can't remember that movie. It's an older one. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, you know, like it's good. People are being creative and trying to come up with solutions, but it's still sad. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and I think, you know, if you're Mars Wrigley, if you're in the business of making candy, I think you're, you know, you're probably going to take a hit no matter what this year, um, just less people going out. So I think, you know, trying to find some creative ways to engage people and still have people have fun, you know, in a online environment, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking back to probably, I'm going to say 2004, 2005, somewhere around there, um, you know, there was this company called Second Life that uh, created this platform. It was like a full sort of, um, you know, virtual uh, world. Um, and you could basically, brands would go in and buy up like their buildings in, in this thing and people could walk around and, you know, interact and hang out in nightclubs and do all this stuff virtually, right? And it's almost like now's the time for that, right? Like, and so in a way, this is like a, obviously a very specific uh, version of that around trick-or-treating, but, you know, the ability to kind of just go knock on doors still and kind of, you know, be greeted by people and, you know, I don't know if people still actually do tricks, you know, for their treats or what have, <laughs> what have you, but, you know, um, I think it's kind of fun. And what I really like about it is, is that you can earn the candy and then you can sort of then drive traffic back to physical retail. Um, you know, where people can actually go in and redeem. And, um, and I wonder like if there's some sort of play, you know, to team up with, um, the physical retailers, uh, that carry these, these candy products, which is virtually everybody, but, you know, maybe pick a couple of the key, uh, retail brands, you know, whether that's Target or Walmart or, you know, whatever, 7-Eleven, I don't know. Um, and just, you know, work with them to say, look, you know, people are going to be doing this. It's going to drive traffic to your stores. You know, obviously they're coming in to get their candy, but while they're there, they're probably going to buy other things. You know, you know how, you know what, you know that's a benefit to the physical retailer to me. And so, how is you know sort of Mars Wrigley, you know, sort of leveraging that? I think there's a discussion to be had there. At the very least, they should be getting you know some teaming up with physical retailers and getting them to share on the sort of the marketing costs of this campaign right uh in some form or fashion so you know hopefully uh there's somebody thinking about that but otherwise i think it's kind of fun i think it's creative it's a it's a unique way to kind of go about halloween this year so there you go yep all right on to our second story now this is a more of a traditional location data story Unilever, big, uh, another big brand company out there, um, has teamed up with Orbital, Orbital Insight, which is a uh, very large um, location data science company, focuses on uh, GPS data. Um, and they're, what they're doing is, is they're working with Unilever um, on a pilot project uh, to understand and have better track and traceability around the supply chain in particular. So what they're doing is they're able to, using uh, satellite and location geolocation data, they can identify individual farms and plantations where the products are actually grown that end up, um, you know, like in, in, on the shelf and be able to kind of trace that back and, and look at kind of the flow of where things are coming from. And, you know, we know, I think in today's culture, People are generally more concerned about knowing, uh, you know, where stuff comes from, where it's grown, where it's fished, you know, what, you know, lake it came out of, you know, what farm it came from, you know, how local is it, um, you know, to me, you know, 
it's not you know farm to table necessarily but like you know you know is it truly local you know how much distance did it travel how many you know people's hands did it pass along the way you know and all that sort of stuff um and so i think understanding and kind of monitoring if you will surveilling if you will from a uh, geolocation satellite data perspective is very interesting and kind of applying this to uh, spot traffic patterns and identify areas where there's you know um, what they call inconsistent flow between an area of land and a mill um, you know can suggest a potential link between the mills or the farms and the plantations and things like that so they're kind of looking to understand kind of you know what's going on in the supply chain and kind of what that looks like and so the um, Initial uh, pilot project, is, I think, is in Indonesia and in Brazil um, around some of these particular products. Uh, it's all anonymous GPS signal data that they're looking at. So they, they're watching trucks and they're watching kind of the movements of, of a product. Um, you know, and I, I think it's kind of interesting because we're all, you know, as I said, looking at a more sort of ethical understanding of the supply chain. Yeah, I agree. You know, this reminds me of uh, a job that I had sort of fresh out of college and very early on in my career a million years ago before I was even in the you know tech and mobile industry and um, I was handling general liability claims and investigating them for a large quick service restaurant and so what was very interesting to me is that based upon the time and date of a purchase this restaurant could actually and can actually trace back the source of you know, the beef or, you know, the fries or whatever it may be to say, you know, did we have any issues? Did anything come out of this? Which farm did it come from? Which cow did it come from? I mean, it was really amazing how well they could trace it back and then help determine if this was like an actual case of, you know, food poisoning or something that would have been in the food, or is it something that maybe, you know, had extra circumstances as there are so many of those things that happen. Um, but it's very interesting to me, and I think that also in this day and age now that we are um, increasingly more socially aware and want to make sure that we are responsible with our choices um, when it comes to purchasing goods and services and food and everything that we use, uh, whether that be for health reasons or just for you know moral and ethical reasons and um, just making sure that we're making the best choices that we can and obviously supporting businesses that we feel confident in. So I like that Unilever is thinking about this, whether that's maybe their, I'm not really sure that that's what's driving this, but potentially having that information and, and doing that research allows them to better tell a story about their different brands um, and where they come from and who's been working on them and all of those things. So um, it'll be interesting to see what are the findings after they you know, start this monitoring. Yeah. Hopefully okay. So uh, staying sort of on that location data trend, Foursquare has linked up with Link NYC and Intersection um, on a project to help New Yorkers shop safe during this time. Um, so basically, what's happening is you know Link NYC has a lot of the the digital out of home billboards that are around bus stops and train stations and all throughout New York City. Um, and now, based on Foursquare data, what they're doing is they are posting the average hourly, you know, busyness or capacity of different stores and grocery food chains that are throughout the city um, and, and drugstores as well. So they're on these kiosks and, and, you know, New Yorkers as they're moving throughout the city can say, okay, like the best time to go is at 
10 a.m. and 1 p.m. and you know 5 p.m. seems to be the busiest time, so I'm gonna avoid that. Um, so you can kind of just judge for yourself when it's the best time for you to go and hopefully make that accommodate your schedule. They're they're basing this um, and it's broken down by zip code right now. Um, and so you know I think this is interesting. It's a good thing to it's it's good to be put something that I always find super useful, whether it's during this time or before we were in COVID times, just knowing, for example, like how busy is this restaurant? What's the wait like? You know, if you had that information readily at your fingertips by just looking at, you know, maybe it's Google Maps or uh, Yelp or something, you know, is there a wait? And there's some things that are pulling that data in sometimes. Uh, but I find that very useful because obviously you're trying to accommodate your schedule and, you know, make sure that you plan accordingly. And so I think this could go beyond just, you know, COVID times and knowing, you know, when is it the best time to go and how quick can I get in and out and how long am I going to be there and how many other people are going to be there uh, is really a cool thing. Um, and apart from that, um, the uh, Foursquare team also announced that they are going through the MRC accreditation, which is Media Ratings Council. Um, you know, it's a very strenuous process and a long process. To go through that, I know at Digital Envoy we did that back um, in 2013, based on on our IP geolocation data, and it's definitely something that takes a lot of hard work. So that's interesting that they are you know starting to do that as well, and um, seeing that as maybe something that will be important uh, moving forward in a time where location data can be you know questionable. There's privacy concerns and all those things. You know, having sort of an extra um, outside auditor stamp of approval um, can be important. So uh, that's kind of a, a side story added on to <laughs> the Link NYC. Yeah. Partnership. So what do you think? Um, yeah. So I mean, I think it's a good a good use of Foursquare's data and kind of visualizing it through these Link NYC uh, digital displays. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think for for me, I wonder. You know, in a city like New York, you know how how much does this data change on a day to day week, you know, week to week basis, right? I mean, obviously, there's probably big differences between weekdays and weekend and things like that. But you know, once you've seen it for you know several days, I my guess is is that you know five o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock is going to be busier than two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, or whatever you know the the normal expectations you would have. So. Yeah, if you don't want to be, you know, going at the same time everybody else is going, then don't go at five o'clock or six o'clock. And, you know, like, I can't see it changing that much. I think what is uh, extremely relevant, I think, to people today in making decisions is understanding what wait times look like. Um, so, and I don't mean that as, you know, sort of, sort of you know, just as a broad uh, brush kind of understanding of when the best times are to go. I mean, like right now, like, if the, if the store is at capacity, you know, can I know that? Or right now, if, you know, there's, you know, 20 people in line waiting to go into the restaurant, you know, you know, maybe I'll, I'll choose not to go, um, you know, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think finding ways to kind of incorporate sort of the, the bigger picture data like they're talking about here and kind of visualizing that and also understanding the real time of what's actually going on in the places that I want to go to. Uh, I think is equally important and I think um, so we're seeing here for example at ground level we're working with a local company here in Toronto that's in the digital signage uh, space and that's kind of what they do so they have counts of what's going on in the business itself 
and then they have screens on the outside that are actually showing what the current number is like so they're visualizing it for people going by driving by walking by um, so you can see what is similar to kind of when you're at the airport right and you can see you know some of the airports now have these screens showing you how you know how long the lines are at, at mm -hmm. uh, you know security and different kinds of things but doing that in a in a retail context I think is super interesting uh, for folks and not only you know think about doing it on digital signage as people are going by is one thing but if you already have the numbers, why not make that visible on your websites and uh, your online properties as well, uh, so that people can make those decisions before they leave the house? Uh, so I think there's a lot of ways to use this data in a COVID time, and we're not even halfway, you know, there yet in terms of best practices. I think. I agree. All right, final story uh, for this week: CVS uh, now is getting into digital advertising uh, business. Uh, so they're launching their own retail media uh, network um, it's called CVS Media Exchange. Um, and they've been out kind of doing early pitches to media buyers and, and brands and agencies and trying to get them uh, on board with what they're trying to do. It's a fully managed service with ad placements on CVS.com including display and search as well as uh, offline placements in stores uh, physically and off-site uh, in Google, Facebook, Instagram um, and it's all powered by CVS data. So what they're doing is they're tapping into everything that they know about their customers that come into their stores who are using their app and have their loyalty program and all that sort of stuff and then kind of taking the insights derived from all of that data to then power media media buys and, and, and targeting um, that comes off of that. And I think, you know, to some of the other conversations we've had recently about, you know, the IDFA going away and other things that are happening in the in our industry, that's going to make it much more difficult for, uh, you know, some of these location companies and these ad tech companies. I think for the brands that are able to unlock their own data, I think it all of a sudden, you know, like it really opens up a new revenue stream for them. So, you know, this is something I've been talking about for years in a different way. Like I, you know, I've talked a long, um, I used to talk a lot about, you know, when beacons first came out and people, a lot of these brands like CVS were putting in beacons and building these, these indoor uh, networks. I said, well, it's one thing for, you know, people to kind of push, here's an offer or coupon if somebody walks by. But I always thought it would be great if if the the brands like a CBS opened up those beacon networks as a in-store ad targeting network for other brands whose products are in the stores. And in a lot of ways, this is kind of you know an extension of that um, to you know encompass a number of different media types or formats. Um, I still think the Beacon Network is, is a great way to do in-store targeting and make it available. But I think there's a lot here. I think this is a great hedge against you know some of the changes that are coming in our industry. I think it's a great revenue opportunity for CVS uh, in particular. And you know they, they, they've got a lot of data. I mean, like these guys are, um, I can't remember, I, I saw somewhere, like I think it's like 74 million, yeah, 74 million customers that they have data on. That's a lot. Right, um, you know, and it, it gives them a lot of insights as, as to what's going on. So there you go. So what I love about this story is that I, I think that a lot of brands are thinking about like, how can I leverage the data and the first party information that I have um, and, and sort of open up new opportunities for revenue growth. And I like the way that they're thinking about it. The one challenge that I do have here is that CVS has a lot of 
personal medical data on people. I mean, they also, we've heard stories not that long ago that we were talking about how CVS and Walgreens are both starting to, you know, play in sort of the uh, medical care space as well, right? Providing prescriptions, providing um, actual, you know, doctors, facilities within their locations and different things like that. So for me, I just wonder like where is the line and where is the wall and the data that's shared so if they know like what I'm being treated for or the type of prescriptions I'm taking and then they're going to be pushing advertising to me based on some of the that very personal and sensitive information then you're like okay this seems a little bit questionable is this the right you know are these the right practices that we want for our privacy because privacy goes far beyond just our location right I think sometimes we fo we tend to focus on the location piece of it uh, on this show because it's what you know we talk about a lot right but there's so much that it goes beyond um, and so I think that to me that's the only question that I have and I'd love to have like more transparency and clarity on on where you know what will they be leveraging which data assets they will be and which they won't be right um, but I think that overall any brand who is taking control of their their own first party data and trying to figure out how can how can they leverage it and obviously utilize their own digital real estate, whether that's their website or their apps for that advertising, um, I think is a, is a very, very smart move right now. Yeah, and they're not the only ones doing this, right? I mean, obviously, Walmart has their own media network, Target has their own media network and so on. So, uh, but, it, but I think it's smart. And I think every brand, like at least brands at that scale with that number of customers and so on should be, you know, doing something to monetize their, uh, their data, uh, and whether it's opening it up this way, or at least, you know, using it for their own, uh, ad targeting purposes. So there you go. All, All right. That's our show for this week. You've been listening to episode number 480 of location weekly. We thank you, uh, as always, uh, if you have story ideas, reach out to us um, and let us know. We're, we all, I should mention that for the LBMA, um, we're gearing up for our Fall Retail Loco Conference, which will be going virtual uh, this October. So just around the corner, we're just finalizing the agenda. If you're interested in, uh, you're an LBMA member, you're interested in speaking, uh, or you know a great speaker, uh, reach out to us and, and let us know about that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, follow us on social, send us some likes, some feedback, uh, and we're always, uh, interested in that. So thank you. Uh, and of course we'll be back next week with yet another show. Bye. Bye.